This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. What will you choose? No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Real EFL League 2 podcast and a very happy new year. The festive period of period of football may now have come to an end for football league clubs, but there's plenty to unpack from the full complement of New Year's Day games. We had six pointers at the top of the table, six pointers near the bottom, 40 goals, zero nil-nil draws and some post-match transfer news too. I'm your host to discuss all that and more today, Charlie Beeston, but I certainly could not do it alone. Joining me today is a man who will be pleased his side have stopped the rot to start 2024. Ivan, how are we? Yeah, it's good, isn't it, Good to be on my first League 2 podcast. Obviously, I'm a Carlisle fan, so might be needing to re-familiarise myself with League 2 going into next season, given our position at the minute. <laughs> Absolutely, but uh, hopefully a mainstay ju- just for a... This six-month period then, Ivan, if, if nothing yeah. else. But <laughs> it isn't all smiles, however, as I am also joined by Tom, uh, our resident Bradford fan. Good Christmas and New Year minus the football, Tom. Yeah, I mean, the um, the, the football has been OK in parts. Uh, disappointing start to the New Year. But um, as Ivan says, he's has to re-familiarise himself with League Two. I um, impressionively... Don't. Um, I think we're in, a, in in League Two forever. But yes, it was great. Thank you. Good. I am very glad to hear it. So, as I mentioned, we have quite a lot of football to break down. So let's kick it straight off with our game of the day. Stockport County versus Mansfield. Two teams fighting near the top of the league. Stockport come into the game having drawn their two other matches over Christmas, whilst Mansfield managed to cruise to victory against Grimsby on Boxing Day before only managing a draw against Doncaster on Friday night. Ivan, talk me through the game. How did it go? Um, I think it was, I wouldn't say a game of two halves, but the second half was definitely a lot more exciting than the first. Um, Stockport... I think, well, I think obviously they'll be a bit annoyed that they haven't came away with at least a point because um, it's given, well, it's let Mansfield close to them. Uh, they're just two points behind now with two games in hand. 
But I don't really think Stockport deserves too much. I think they're fairly sloppy in front of goal. And there were quite a few mistakes at the back from them. So I don't really think they can complain a whole lot on the result myself. No, that's uh, I think that's a very fair reflection. Ultimately, it was two goals from Mansfield Town that scored victory in this game. 2-0 away victory. Uh, it was 1-0 in the 49th minute before then Keeler Dunn scored in the 112, 102nd minute. There we go. I can do maths. 90 plus 12 is 102, Charlie. Not 112. But yes, they scored then in the 102nd minute to wrap up the three points for the away side. Now, Tom, look, it, it's a bit of a difficult one, this, because this loss now means that Stockport have dropped points in six of their last 10 league matches from a position where the title looked like it was theirs to lose. What's gone wrong there? Yeah, I mean, I've um, when I saw this result, I actually was was surprised. But um, Stockport actually played at Valley Parade um, over the Christmas period as well, and they didn't actually look brilliant, to be honest. And the pitch was probably a leveller. Um, I wouldn't say anything's necessarily gone wrong. Perhaps the transfer windows come at a good time for them to, um, you know, to to freshen up. But I mean. The, if something's going wrong for Stockport and they're still top of the league, um, then, you know, they, they must have performed incredibly well the first half of the season. So, yeah, I don't think it's panic stations yet for, for Stockport, but certainly they, they won't be happy without winning three now. No, absolutely. And that result has left Mansfield two points adrift in second with two games in hand on Stockport at the top. So there's a very good chance that they could take the lead in League Two some point over the coming weeks so from first versus second let's now head to third versus fourth i did promise there were some big games to discuss wrexham hosted a barrow side who had also played stockport over the festive period tom you had this game was it a tight affair it was actually despite what the um what what the scoreline says so it was 4-1 to wrexham um third third against fourth as you say the scoreline probably do, does flatter wrexham a little bit but they got a surprise early on. Barrow start, started quick. They got the ball down, um, got it out wide, and Keane Spence scored for them early on in the first minute. Um, but then, you know, that quite ridiculous strike force that Wrexham have um, paid paid dividends. Um, Paul Mullin uh, just got a contract to 2027. He could see why. Um, his free kick was was the highlight. I don't know if you've had a chance to see it. Um yeah, that, that was quite ridiculous. That was a highlight. So it was uh, Paul Mullin and Stephen Fletcher got a hat-trick as well. Um, it's a bit strange with, with Stephen Fletcher because he's not scored a hatful of goals, as you probably would expect from a you know a Premier League striker coming down, but he, he just takes his goal so well. Like the two mm-hmm. two headers he got were um, was incredible. But, you know, it was a typical kind of... It's a, Phil Parkinson win again. You know they just got the ball up to the strikers. Um, looked looked quite solid. Yeah, it, it, it was a good entertaining game. But what what I'm looking forward to now is um, is seeing how Barrow react. You know they've it's the first real setback for a while. Um, mm-hmm. They're overachieved already this season, so it'd be interesting to see how how they react in the coming weeks. I, I'm 100% agreeing with that. And it kind of alludes to, to sort of what my next question was. Because I think, I think realistically, a lot of people were happily getting on the Pete Wilde and Barrow hype train. Now, it's, I wouldn't necessarily say it's come to a halt or anything like that. But that result has now made it winless in three. And the gap from third to fourth has now opened up to four points. 
Do you think we're just starting to see the top three take shape and could it be those three that come April move into League One? Yeah, I think, you know, the, the top three are very, very strong, but Notts County as well, I think, will strengthen. Um, they've also got a quite ridiculous, <laughs> ridiculous strike force. So, um, yeah, I think the, the the top four will probably be those and then the rest of the playoffs is, is open for anybody. I personally, as a Bradford fan, I'm hopeful that, you know, we've got J- Jake Young back. I always am hopeful despite my negativity uh, yeah. that comes along. But, um, you know, there's, there is there is a group of teams there, as you say, like MK Dons, Gillingham as well, who will be looking for the playoffs. But, yeah, and Mansfield's defensive record's quite mm. something as well. They've only exceeded 19. Um, so, you, you'd fancy them. Very much so. Only conceding 19 and only losing one game all season. So, you know, who knows with, with them. And I, I'll be honest, Personally, yeah, I think it's probably going to be these three now that we're going to start to see just pull a little way and create a little bit of a gap. But obviously, time will tell on that one. So as we kind of alluded to there, that result does keep Wrexham in third and Barrow in fourth. Now, another side who you already mentioned, Tom, and another side who'll be hoping for at the bare minimum of a top seven finish this season is Notts County. They've been a bit inconsistent so far, but have managed to stay in the playoff places for most of the the season. Yesterday, they travelled up north to face a Tranmere side who had three straight victories coming into this. Ivan, how did it go? Yes, you maybe on paper, at least if you look at the table, it might seem like quite an upset with Notts County currently in fifth and Tranmere down in 15th. But I think it's far from it, given Tranmere's recent resurgence on, mm-hmm. in form. I think if you looked at a few weeks ago, even a month ago, um, you think Tranmere, they were in those like really right near down the... Um, the relegation spaces and now they are um 15 points clear of 23rd so yeah they've really managed to kick on from that spot now and even like looking at where they are they're only now six points off the playoffs which is pretty incredible and it also shows just how close um the mid pack is in league two but Notts county's away form is something that's really let themselves down this year and i think that's evident again um in their game against Tranmere, it's their fifth away loss in a row. And I know we've just been saying about how the top three can, well, at least extend that gap. I think if Notts County continue in this form away from home, there's no chance that they're going to get um, anywhere near the top three, let alone mm. even Barrow in fourth. Uh, so it's something that they certainly need to improve on. Well, I was going to say going into the new year, but they've already lost once in the new year on the road. Um, they'll be ruining quite a few missed opportunities in that game, uh, which they lost 4-2 in the end. As they dominated in possession, which is, I think, something that we've become used to this season, having 67% of the ball. But, well, we're all football fans, so we know that possession means absolutely nothing if you do not use it well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Tranmere proved just that as they took the lead through Kieran Morris. Bit of a weldy on the volley by him in the, the fifth minute, and I think that's one of the goals in the NFL for, uh, for the day. Mm-hmm. Um and County would fight back and they'd score two in the space of five minutes. First coming from Aaron Newman, who got on the end of an inch-perfect Jody Jones cross. I think Jody Jones has been excellent so far this season. Not that we didn't know that already, but he's really taken a step up from the National League back into uh, the Football League in his stride. And then who else but Macaulay Langstaff would get the next? It was a case of being in the right place at the right time. A real strike is finished from him. Pokes home down. Crowley cross slash shot because I'm not sure 
what it is entirely. But Langstaff's <laughs> in the right position to put it home. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think he's, he's, he's put himself about a bit because he's celebrated in front of the home fans directly afterwards, uh, which would indeed backfire um, for him as they go into the break level when uh, Connor Jennings' Tranmere was unmarked in the box just before half-time. At that point, the game was firmly in the balance. It could have probably gone either way. But Tranmere would come out of the blocks a lot faster. Harvey Reed Saunders would find a go-ahead goal. It's probably not one that Aidan Stone would want to watch back in the county goal. The ball's looked to get almost stuck under him. Um, And then Reed Saunders is there to poke Mm. home. But yeah, it's probably not the best goal to concede. And when it's just 3-2 there, you think, well, maybe Notts County could get back into it. Um, but now at that point, with five goals in the opening 56 minutes, that like could be a potential rugby score. And uh, Trump had the perfect opportunity to at least extend their lead when uh, Regan Henry was fouled in the box. However, that penalty would be saved. Uh, it was a Connor Jennings penalty by uh, Stone in the goal. But that was not the final twist in the tale, uh, with Stone then bringing down Rob Apter in the box in the 93rd minute. Jennings this time would not make any mistake and smash it at home. That's four wins on the bounce to Tranmere, and what a job that Nigel Adkins has done. As I mentioned, they go 15, and I don't think many teams would want to be playing them at the minute. No, absolutely not. Nigel Atkins, although he has technically been there for a lot longer than uh, just since he became permanent head coach, they're certainly on one heck of a run at the minute. And going into the transfer window, who knows, if they improve that a little bit more, they could end up having a real resurgent run up towards the upper echelons of the table. Now, I mean, I kind of just want to ask the question because Notts County only conceded two in their four games prior to this, leaving some on the outside, not necessarily their fans, but some on the outside like myself, to wonder if they'd began to solve some of their defensive frailties. But that really wasn't the case yesterday. Do, do you see transfer solving this problem now the window is open? Because they're conceding far too many to have a proper run into those automatic places, as Tom was saying. I think when you look at um, their squad, it's the defence which is definitely behind the attack. Um, I think they've got two, well, obviously two of the best strikers in the in the division. Uh, and yeah, I think it is if they're really, if they're serious about going up this season, at least automatically. I think they would, even with this current squad. I think they still would get into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But I think if they want to make a push for the automatics. There needs to be a couple of um, additions to that defence, not just for um, some new faces and some more, well, maybe solid names at the back, but also a bit of rotation. So I think they've sometimes been a bit one-dimensional and when they have gone to change things, it's not always worked out. So maybe that is, well, at least the across the back line is something they mm. want to be looking at in January. Absolutely. And if they can uh, very much solve some of those issues, then that could end up being pretty big for them. So that result left Notts County, sat in fifth in the league with um, Tranmere Rovers now moving up into 15th. Right, the next game to discuss is Grimsby versus Walsall. Walsall have failed to win at Blundell Park since 2003. So travel to Lincolnshire, hoping to end that now 21-year run. 
And didn't they just? It was actually Grimsby who opened the scoring in the 29th minute through Danny Rose. Then the heartbreaking moment. Okay, well, it was heartbreaking for me as a Lincoln fan when Freddie Draper had to go off injured. That really is just our luck when it looked as though we were going to recall him. Now, like I said, just talking purely from a sort of Lincoln fan point here, and this might be a little bit... uh, for you Warsaw fans, it is seeming very likely, as I'm sure you probably are aware, that we are recalling Freddie Draper now. Um, but, you know, hopefully this injury isn't too bad for him. But it turns out, however, that Walsall didn't need him yesterday. As nine minutes after the first goal of the game, James Taylor grabbed an equaliser before Isaac Hutchinson put the Saddlers ahead in the 43rd minute. A tight advantage going into the second half. The question could have been, could they hold on away from home? Well, Earing hit a third for the away side almost immediately in the second half before winning his side a penalty minutes later after a foul by Camille Conte, which Hutchinson turned away. Farquharson and Johnson made it five and six respectively to secure a fifth victory in six for Walsall. Now, there was conversations on on this podcast um, not that long ago, actually, regarding Warsaw and regarding Matt Sadler's future, a lot of the fans had began to, to kind of turn. There was a lot of kind of anim- animosity, animosity. That's what I'm looking for. Animosity uh, against the boss there, and they were very much hoping at some for some of the fans that he was going to get sacked. That really doesn't seem the case now, as they. Obviously, like I said, five wins in six matches. Their only loss coming away from home against Accrington Stanley just before Christmas. They picked up a full nine points in that uh, over the Christmas period, and there weren't many other teams to do that. With obviously Tranmere being one. In fact, Tranmere were the only other side to do it. So. Warsaw seem to now be in a really good place. They're now set up in 11th place. They're only three points off seventh. There's a possibility that if they can recruit well this winter window, that maybe they could push into there. But they are going to have to replace, obviously, Freddie and and make sure that they hold on to somebody like Isaac Hutchinson, who had another fantastic game yesterday. Very disappointed for Grimsby, though. Their run under David Artel started not too badly. There was a lot of draws there early on. They did get one win over the Christmas period away from home at Salford. But that victory 6-1, that's that's damaging for Grimsby, who sits in 20th place, potentially looking over their shoulder, although that would require Sutton and Forest Green to close the 10-point gap that they have, uh, that Grimsby have on them at the moment. So, now for a game I don't believe one of my guests is going to want to talk about. Crew versus Bradford. Tom, I know, I know, I'm sorry. Talk us through it. No, that, that's all right. Um, at least you didn't have to watch it, which is um, <laughs> saying something. Yeah, it was a... Um, honestly, it was quite a fairly drab affair, to be honest. Um, but in typical League 2 style, Crew were unbeaten in seven going into it. Um, Bradford unbeaten in eight. And very much like last season's meeting, it ended with a, uh, a Chris Long penalty winning the game. So, Crew won the game 1-0. Um, you know, it's a penalty from Chris Long. Crew didn't have many chances. Bradford City didn't have many chances. I think if the game went on um, for another few hours, I don't think <laughs> much, would have, much would have changed, to be honest. Um, so, ju- just to talk you through it. Um, so, Chris Long... Um, went through on goal early on. Jonathan Tomkinson, who's been brilliant, actually. He's on loan from Norwich. Um, He was tracking back, tried to make a last-ditch tackle and inevitably wiped out Chris Long. Um, 
yeah, he stepped up and scores a penalty against us, which he he always does. Um, City, you know, the um, they were unbeaten in eight. A lot of those victories have come against teams at the bottom, and also counting the uh, the newly named Bristol Street Motors Trophy against a couple of under twenty three sides. So I wasn't fully sold on on the run, to be honest. Um, but yeah, we we hit back with a. Uh, Gilead and Clark O'Dor forcing some saves from the goalkeeper. Um, in the 95th minute, Andy Cook had a looping header from a Richie Smallwood free kick, which it looked like we're about to recycle the ball and play it back into the box, but then the referee blew for full time. But I'm sure we probably wouldn't have scored anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, but, but both teams just looked, you know, um, a bit short of ideas and, and a bit short on firepower, to be honest. Um, I know the the January window is now officially open and as of today, um, Bradford have recalled Jake Young. So I'm hoping that that, you know, will give us a bit bit of a spark up front because to be honest, I feel really bad for Andy Cook because he has to battle and fight for absolutely every chance that he gets. Um, He's always sort of left up top battling with four defenders around him. So hopefully we can get him a bit of help. But to be honest, from what I've seen from Graham Alexander's football, so far, he does like to sort of bypass the midfield, and Jake Young a lot of the time is fed off um, through balls at Swindon, and you know picking the ball up at the edge of the box and driving um, in sort of a number ten role, and it doesn't look like that we will play to his strengths there. So it's really interesting to find out what's what's going to happen there. But yeah, it was a fairly a fairly drab game to be honest. Not nothing too much to report, but a, a good solid win for for Crew. I think that's that's sort of real fair enough for for you. And look, it's not exactly been the worst Christmas time for Bradford, but that result obviously has ended that unbeaten run that you were talking about. Realistically, what are your aims for the second half of the season? Do you think with a good January transfer window, there is the opportunity to push into the playoffs? Or is this now just about setting yourself up for another year in League Two? Um, well, for me, I think... The issues go a lot further than, you know, if we can strengthen for the January window. Um, we've got a lot of players on loan who are not playing, so we need to, to you know, get, get those loans back to the parents' club um, as soon as possible. Great, Graham Alexander is not playing them at all, really. Um, obviously, the playoffs are still in sight. I think we had six points off the playoffs now, I believe. Um, at five points, sorry, off the playoffs. You know, they're definitely possible and, you know, there is always a team that comes from round about our our league position. I think we've touched upon a few of them already who who do tend to put a run together and and get in. I hope it's us, um, but I'm not sure, to be honest. I think I've had enough of just restarting again and hoping that we hire a manager that can, can throw a team together because what Graham Alexander's dealing with now is players that have had four or five different managers already and have been signed for different styles of play. It's, it's about time that we took a longer-term approach to it and said, right, how how do we want to play? Who, What manager do we want to have to play this style of play? And then we sign players that suits the club's philosophy rather than, you know, we've got six or seven wingers and we don't play with wingers. We've got um, wing-backs, we don't play with wing-backs. We do, you know, we've, the squad's very, very unbalanced. But mm. the playoffs are definitely there, I think, for someone. But I don't think it's it's going to be us at Bradford, unfortunately. Uh, understandable. I think 
I think a lot of sides in, in this division and, and other EFL divisions very much have to start looking at longer term planning compared to the way they're currently acting. Um, but you know, hopefully that that will be you guys in the very near future. But that result leaves Crew in sixth and Bradford in 13th. Now, I'm expecting big things from Ivan when he's talking us through this game, as he messaged me a few hours ago to tell me he was making sure he specifically read up to talk about this game. Troy Deeney's Forest Green Rovers versus AFC Wimbledon. Ivan, show us your knowledge. Yeah, I, I just love Forest Green so much and know so much about them. Um, no, so... <laughs> Um, said yeah, no mean, one ever. Uh, sorry. Yeah, so, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's obviously not gone to plan for Forest Green in the last two seasons. Um, getting promoted a couple of years ago and then straight back, uh, straight back down, and now they're sitting at the foot of the League Two table. However, they would hold uh, AFC Wimbledon to a point, who are in seventh, and it it's been a slight blip in form for Wimbledon recently. Um, They've obviously just drawn with Forest Green, but I think losing to Sutton United, um, who are just one spot ahead in 23rd, it, it's, it's more than a blip of in form. It's, it's starting to become a bit of a concern for Wimbledon. And things are only going to get worse for the Dons with both Ali Alhamidi and Omar Buviel both going to the Asian Cup for Iraq and Lebanon, respectively. I think Wimbledon, I know we were just saying about teams that could move up into the playoffs. I think Wimbledon, I know Wimbledon fans won't want to hear this, but I think they could be one of the teams that we see slip down quite drastically in the coming weeks. And a lot of that is due to just how important Alhamidi is to them. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, their game, sorry, against Sorry Green was the final game before they depart uh, to the Asian Cup. Um, but it would be Troy Deeney's side who would take the lead against Wimbledon with Matt Stevens rising higher, uh, getting on the end of a Carl McAllister cross in the fourth minute, uh, leaving nothing that the Wimbledon keeper could do. But then the Dons would then respond eight minutes later through uh, who else but Al Hamadi. He's 13th in the league this season, and I don't want to keep on going about, on about it, but Wimbledon fans, it's going to be such a loss. Not just him going to the Asian Cup, but obviously there's I think plenty of rumours um, in the press at the minute of him moving up potentially to League One, potentially to the Championship. Who knows? Uh, bar those those two chances in the first, well, very early in the first half, they had a couple of good chances, but neither could convert either. Um, and I wouldn't say it was the best game I've ever seen, or at least seen the highlights of. But yeah, I, I think it, it, it's a sign of or at least I think the game signified both Forest Green's current struggles um, and also potentially Wimbledon's downgrade in their recent performances. Um, and yeah, I, I just think, no offence to Troy Deeney, but if if Forest Green is your first job, it's not really a job you want as your first job, having them sat at the bottom of the table and with very, well, I was about to say very little, no managerial experience. I think could be, yeah. I, I, I would, I would tip them to go down this season. Let's just say that. Uh, look, I've been saying it for most of the season. I'd be very surprised. And to be fair, one of the questions I've sort of got here is, uh, you know, is basically was Troy Deeney really the manager they needed, or was it a more experienced League Two bottom? Yeah, you know, I think mm. you very much answered it. It's Troy Deeney. 
coming in, it's all well and good. Obviously, he'd been there since the start of the season as a player. Um, it's it's an interesting move to then make him head coach. But really, I don't see it being the move that's going to keep them out of, or sorry, keep them in the EFL. Now, okay, there is the argument that potentially Troy Deeney as head coach could see a little bit of pulling power. Um, but at the same time, it is still Forest Green. And I don't mean that with disrespect. It's just simply the fact that Forest Green are going to struggle to sign a certain calibre of player, especially when they're sat dead bottom of the Football League. They are going to find it difficult to be signing certain players in the January transfer window. So Troy Deeney is going to have a very difficult job on his hands. And who knows, it'll be interesting to see whether he even stays for the whole season. And I also just want to pick up on, um, so when you were talking about AFC Wimbledon there, they're two stars because they are stars in uh, Al Hamadi and uh, Omar Bugel going to the uh, sort of Asian Cup. Now, I'm not a cynical person, but MK Dons choosing to reschedule their postponed match for right in the middle of that Asian Cup on the 23rd of January against AFC Wimbledon. Bit of an interesting decision by uh, not, not dodging at all, is it? No, no, I mean, hey, we'd have all done it if it was, you know, if it was our team, and we'd be praising <laughs> our club for doing it. But from the outside looking in, you have very much got to uh, sort of sit there with gritted teeth and, well, to be fair, try not to kind of laugh, but it is a little bit harsh. Look, we have gone through the first six matches of New Year's Day, six more games to come up, but for now, let's take a little lad break. This podcast is sponsored by the wonderful people over at NordVPN. The 2023-24 campaign is set to draw to a close, but the football never truly stops. With the Olympics, Euro 2024 and the new season set to commence in no time, make sure you don't miss any of the action wherever you may be in the world by downloading NordVPN. For just the price of one cup of coffee per month, NordVPN allows you to watch your favourite teams, players, shows and movies anywhere in the world, even if they aren't available in your region, simply by switching the location on your device to one which is showing the content. NordVPN also acts as your cyber bodyguard, protecting your personal data and other sensitive information such as credit cards and passwords from falling into the wrong hands, which is always a worry when you travel abroad. And with just one subscription to NordVPN, you can use this service across six different devices, which is incredibly handy if you're traveling with your family and or loved ones. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash real EFL. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support our podcast too. The link is in the podcast episode description box. So now... Back to the podcast. Away days are great, especially when your striker bag's a last-minute winner. But there's nothing quite like playing at home. And do you know what? The same goes for McDonald's. Why not maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery? Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And welcome back. Thank you, therefore, whoever the sponsors were, whoever the adverts were. I, I never actually know. That's just whoever gets randomly chosen, I guess. Um, right. We are now going to go to our next game, Crawley Town at home to Swindon. Now, this is a Swindon side who, well, unfortunately, they were looking forward to what was expected to be and what turned out to be their last game with some of their superstars. In fact, they're two superstars in Dan Kemp and Jake Young. And I think that's very much marred the game yesterday, but we will just talk through it first. Anyway, as Crawley Town went 1-0 up inside of the first 10 minutes with a Danilo Orsi goal uh, before he... uh, Well, no, sorry, sorry. He 
got his second of the second half, but there was another goal in the first half that came from Crawley as Jack Rolls marked his full league debut for them by doubling their advantage after 26 minutes. Such a nice goal, that one, by the way. It was a really nice uh, sort of half volley from the edge of the box. Really, really impressive, that one. Uh, and like I say, Crawley then made it 3-0 in the 53rd minute. Now, Swindon had absolutely plenty of chances, more in the second half, do not get me wrong, but they had plenty of chances throughout. A lot of this game with Dan Kemp shooting wide. Uh, Charlie Austin had a header tipped onto the bar. Uh, and Jake Young also, again, managed to uh, sort of create some good opportunities, but could not score until the 92nd minute when Dan Kemp did manage to get one with a low strike from outside of the area. In a goal which, well, it was a consolation goal for the game and it was also a bit of a bittersweet moment for Kemp and also Swindon fans. Like I said, both Jake Young and Dan Kemp both been recalled by Bradford and MK Dons, respectively. Those two are going to be sorely missed by Swindon fans. Now, we put out a tweet on the Real EFL uh, sort of this morning, just asking the simple question, Swindon fans with Young and Kemp going... How worried are you for the rest of the season? Now, some people commented, replied to that. And now, you know, Swindon fans, if you're listening to this, reply on Twitter, at us on Twitter, at Real EFL Social. It'd be really interesting to hear your thoughts. There was a couple of comments along the lines of, well, this means that we're going to go down now. And now, I, I can't necessarily see that because, you know, you are already sat on 30, uh, 33 points. At this rate, I don't even know if Forest Green Rovers or, or even Sutton, are actually going to hit the 33-point mark. Obviously, that would be a very poor season if they uh, didn't, but the way things are going for them, they can't seem to really string together many results in a row. I don't necessarily think Swindon are going to go down because of this, but they're certainly going to have to replace those two players. And it was a good victory for Crawley as well. Let's not take anything away from them at all. A really comfortable really, 3-1 victory. Like I said, yes, OK, Swindon had chances, but when you go 3-0 up, Inside of the 55th, 56th minute, you're always going to have a great opportunity to win the game, which is exactly what Crawley did. It's their second victory of the festive uh, period, as they also won away at Gillingham on Boxing Day. It leaves them sat in 12th place, and it leaves Swindon sat in 16th. Now, your usual League Two podcast host, Matt Olsen, was unfortunately unable to be on today. It seems to always be the case that whenever he has to step down for a podcast, Gillingham win. At what point will he just be doing it for a superstition? Tom, I may have given away the scoreline slightly there, but uh, why don't you talk us through it anyway? Yep. Um, so, Colchester nil, Gillingham won. Um, again, Rather like the uh, Rafa game, not a lot in this really. Um, but positively, it's looking like it's starting to click a little bit for Clements now um, at Gillingham. He, you know, he comes with a, with a reputation from Manchester City for playing good football. So you know, it looks like it's starting to click there for them now. But yes, um, so early early on in the game, G- Gillingham almost took the lead in the third minute when Don Jeffries burst into the area. Um, it was a good save by Goodman, but I felt like he probably could have stuck it in. Um, but yeah, Joe Taylor missed a, missed a chance in the first half, which, by the way, is not on the YouTube highlights, but it is a bit of a shocker uh, for Colchester. So 
he's done well there to get them off the highlights. Um, Ollie Hawkins, in true true style of his, hits a header against the crossbar for Gillingham. Um, but the goal did eventually come for them in the second half. Uh, Scott Malone burst down the left. Uh, he beats his man. He hits a shot. It looks like it takes a deflection, um, goes into the near post, and that's how it finished, 1-0. Um, Gillingham will now be looking up towards the playoffs again, a lot like the teams we've mentioned, uh, Walsall, Bradford City, Crawley, you know, they're all in those sort of areas, but Gillingham uh, won the last two now, so looking quite positive for them. It certainly is. Uh, and it isn't looking too positive for Colchester United. And that result saw them sack Matthew Everington after his eighth loss in nine matches. Now, obviously a bit of a bit of an up and down one for Colchester and very much another down having to sack another manager this season. How well look, I think it's it's a real difficult one sacking a manager. Well, first of all, at the start of January, not even necessarily before January. But was it the right decision, or do you think he should have at least been given the transfer window, considering they have got still a bit of a buffer? They're not in the relegation zone. Should he have been given the transfer window? To be honest, I think if you give him the transfer window and then you lose the first game after the transfer window, he's in he's in big trouble, so you may as well give the new manager or whoever comes in the chance to make additions and have their own opinion on the squad to give them the best chance of survival. I mean, we spoke off air about the um, the bottom two sides and the gap that's that's um, that's there. It is five points at the moment, but you know they could easily be be sucked in, sucked into a real battle, especially with the game in hand. Um, but it's very harsh from Matthew Everton. He's had a a few bad luck, I would say, at, at the clubs he's gone to. Perhaps the supporters of those clubs will argue that he's not done well enough. But I mean. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate for him, but I mean, you can't lose eight out of nine games and be one place above the relegation. The, moment, the momentum needs to change, so we'll we'll see if it's the right call or not. But it it does make sense to give the new manager a chance to look at the squad before he can make any additions, or more importantly, get people out the door. No, I, I would probably agree with that. I think the only the only slight worry for for me personally with that one is it probably just shortens the time frame that. Colchester are going to have now to appoint somebody new because obviously they're not going to want it to be a recruitment process that takes up to, for example, a month because we are right in the middle of this transfer window. So hopefully they'll be able to bring somebody in pretty quickly. So for one manager to be let go at the time of merriment to another, managerless Salford after letting go of Neil Wood post-Boxing Day, travelled to Accrington Stanley in a bid to stop their fall down the table. Ivan, did it work? Uh, to put it quite simply, no, it did not. And it <laughs> seems to be going from bad to worse for Silford now, who, just like Colchester, sit just five points ahead of the um, the relegation spaces. They're now sat in 21st and four points off of 20th. So you've got those bottom four who seem to start falling away from the, well, the rest of the league almost. Um, and if things don't improve soon at Silford, they may even find themselves in the relegation places, but that does depend on Sutton, Forest Green, both picking up results, which I wouldn't say seems overly likely at the minute. Um, one thing I just wanted to say was I think the um, there is definitely a playoff hangover, and it's something we've been accustomed to. And you look at all three of the teams this, this season that were in the playoffs last year. You look at Bradford, although they're doing better now, didn't start mm-hmm. off maybe as, as good as you'd have hoped. 
Um, especially with Stockport, I had a really slow start, but I have well, they're top of the league now, so I don't know how 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 much you can say that's impacted them. But you look at Salford and it's it's um it's a far cry from the team that um that we saw last year. They've obviously got injuries, but there just seems to be very little fight in that team. And I think sacking Neil Wood, I don't know if it was completely the right decision. And since he's been sacked, they've lost two games 3-0. So I don't think it was quite on him. Um, looking at the game itself, Accrington took the lead through a uh, Sean Wally in the 14th minute and were by far the better side in the first half. Then Jack Nolan would double the lead from a penalty. It was a poor challenge by Luke Bolton. Um, who has got none of the ball, and it's probably quite a rare instance—a rare instance in football where there is absolutely zero complaints from the player. Um, I think he knows just how bad the challenge is straight away, um, and then that man Nolan would then assure all three points um, by tapping home his own rebounded effort. And like I mentioned, there was very little fight from the Salford uh, from the Salford team uh, and the players, and it was a very woeful uh, performance in front of goal. I think if they do get dragged into this relegation, well, relegation battle, that fight that maybe the other teams down there, you'd, you'd expect them to have a tiny bit more um, than Salford do currently. Mm-hmm. Um, and also just want to say a bit, give a bit of credit to the young action Stanley keeper, Joseph Walsh, who did actually make some very good saves um, when Salford did actually put their shots on target and not wide. Um, but yeah, after making the playoffs last season, it's now all about um, survival um, for the Amis now, which is looking less likely by the minute. Uh, as for Atkinson, they go ninth and just one point off the playoffs, as we've said so many times right now, it is or well, on this at least, it is so tight in those well, for those playoff places at the minute. Um and although they're ninth for just one point one point behind Wimbledon, but they've got about four mm. or five teams just a win behind them. So it's yeah, it could go one or two ways for Accrington. Either they're gonna be well, they could progress into that playoff picture or it's gonna be mid table. Whereas for Salford it's either relegation or I can't see them finishing at above probably 20th this season. It is, I, it I, is so yeah. strange, isn't it? At, at Salford, just how bad they've, they've been this season. They've got some great players as well. Mm. Um, yeah. I, the, the game has done it at halftime at Accrington. And what, as you say, you alluded to earlier is the, the lack of fight that they seem to have shown, um, which you know, you can question sometimes people's motives for, for going to Salford. Um, you know, and do they want to do? Are they prepared to fight and, and battle in a way that you know perhaps at other clubs? You know, you look at Sutton, Sutton United. A lot of those players will be playing for their first time in the EFL. You know, to prove that they can play at this level, they'll be playing. Mm. You know, to prove that a club like Sutton can can do well at this level and. Yeah, it's it's a very very strange one at, at Salford because it, it's not as if they don't have the squad. They've got the infrastructure. You know, the manager was um, a very experienced coach and an under twenty three level manager as well at Manchester United. And you know, as as um, the the chairman or co owners taken the taken the hands off a little bit. I I'm not sure. It's it's a strange one. 
there's, there's certainly the risk of it, uh, of it at least looking like that, whether it is or not. There is very much the risk of that because that is obviously back to back three no losses for Salford. Now, I think we we kind of had the conversation very loosely around Forest Green Rovers, but look, there's uh, there's been paper talk, and I think it's always expected to happen when there's a managerial change at Salford. Um, Ryan Giggs has been tipped to potentially be taking the role now. That very much could just be sort of lazy journalism, just sort of quick clicks. Who knows? But there could be something in that. Like, how imperative is this managerial change, Ivan? And do they do they need to be bringing in again, similarly to what we've maybe said about Forest Green Rovers? Do they need somebody who has lead to experience just to help pull them further up that table rather than drifting lower and lower, which seems to be happening at the minute? Yeah, I, I think this um, this year is purely about survival for them. They're not. <laughs> I think the difference is what what's the difference for them between finishing twelfth and finishing eighteenth? I don't I don't see like the potential of that. I don't see what's the point of trying to bring mm-hmm. in um a name like Ryan Giggs or someone like that. It's just yeah, I, I think it's you want someone that is um proven in the league and is proven near the bottom of the table doing things with clubs who are underachieving. I think you you need a a certain type of manager who you still want them to be successful, but maybe isn't just always used to having teams at the top of the table. Um, and one that can implement that, um, that fight into the players. Uh, I don't know who that might be, who the perfect um, manager, or even if they go down the head coach route for Salford, mm. who that could be. But I think there's quite a few, there's quite a few managers out there um, at the minute. I, I'd write a post for the, um, or an article even for the Real EFL website. Just going to give it a quick plug there. Um, <laughs> and I said, although I don't think personally these are two great shouts, I'm sure Tom might agree with me on one of them, but knowing what their ownership is like, I could see it being um, Paul Lintz or Mark Hughes being two of the, probably the most likely candidates for them at the minute. Yeah, yeah certainly it- potentially. <laughs> It is interesting you, you say Mark Hughes because, I mean, when he came as our manager, you're like, what? Like, the man who's never banished outside of the Premier League to become Bradford City manager. But to be honest, with Mark Hughes, he didn't play any sort of expansive football and he was very, very solid in that way. As you know, we, we never got hammered or we never gave anyone a hammer in. And I think, to be honest, if he went to Salford and... You know, they, they kept it tight and they nicked the odd goal. He probably would would do quite well for them, and especially with that Manchester United connection. But, yeah, that's that's interesting. I mean, I was thinking, um, as you were speaking about Grimsby, about um, David Artel. I thought he's he's a great manager and he fits in with the, um, you know, Salford's philosophy of wanting to play play football with a, with a young team. So, I thought, you know, they, they probably... They, they didn't know that at the time, but he would have been a good fit for them, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously that probably isn't really a possibility anymore. Well, then again, it is Salford. A bit of money thrown that way. Who knows, actually? And that's the thing. They've, they've probably got a little bit of a further reach than some other clubs in League 2 to be able to kind of pull in a top-name manager. Now, our next game sees a team who I tipped on this podcast not that long ago, to pull themselves into the playoffs. I'm a little bit annoyed we didn't do a post-Boxing Day or post 
29th podcast is uh, they were sat in the playoffs at that time, but they're now not. That's MK Dons, and they travelled away to Doncaster Rovers for some New Year's Day football. Now, this game didn't necessarily go as expected from some points of view, but actually uh, I was chatting to an MK Dons fan. I was also chatting to a Doncaster fan, and I've also seen this comment banded around on Twitter a few times as well. MK Dons, when they're on a great run and have to play against Doncaster, for some reason will always seem to lose. And that's exactly what happened yesterday. Luke Molyneux opened the scoring after eight minutes when he found the bottom corner of the goal. And that was then followed by a Joe Ironside finish on the 14th minute mark. So for within the first 15 minutes, Doncaster Rovers were already 2-0 up against playoff chasing MK Dons. Then it was the turn of Tommy Rowe in the 43rd minute to give Doncaster Rovers a 3-0 advantage. Now, granted, that is how the game actually ended. It was a little bit of a tamer second half, but Donny didn't really have to do anything else after that uh, run, sort of after those uh, first three goals in the first half. MK Dons very much came into this uh, on a really, really good run. And this is actually Mike Williams's first loss in the league as MK Dons head coach. And obviously he will, of course, be really disappointed, but it's actually not too surprising. I think MK Dons have struggled in a couple of their recent games where they've still gotten victories, but players like, like Max Dean, for example, who has been scoring a good number of goals for MK in sort of recent games, yes, he's not actually looked perfect for them recently in some of the sort of recent fixtures. And that's going to happen. They're going to tire out. Their style of football is trying to be quite sort of expansive under Mike, uh, Mike Williams. So it's, it's hardly surprising that some of these players are starting to get tired of maybe not perform as well as we know that they can. Uh, but obviously... Disappointed nonetheless. Now, this is a great win for Doncaster Rovers on the flip side of that, though. Uh, Doncaster are a side who have been really inconsistent for me this season. They, you know, they can get these victories, but you know, this is this is their first victory in quite a few matches as well. That they, they lost, they ended up losing sort of three in a row with a five-nil loss against Morecambe, for example, losing at home to Bradford in that three-one game as well, and then uh, losing away at Notts County. On Boxing Day, granted, of course, Notts County a, a very strong side, but they will be a little bit disappointed. But then a draw against Mansfield, a victory against MK Dons. Could this just be the few points that they need to turn themselves around and maybe push themselves a little bit further up? Potentially, I don't see them obviously getting anywhere near playoffs or anything like that, but they'll just want the, to be in a position where they're not looking over their shoulder in sort of a month or two's time. There's a little bit of disappointing news, though, uh, for Doncaster Rovers fans. Now, although nothing has been confirmed as of yet, there is kind of speculation all over social media at the minute that Mo Fowl, uh, could potentially be heading back to his parent club. Uh, from his low spell at Doncaster, which will be a real, real shame for them. He's had a really good first half of the season. I've really rated him, to be honest, though. I also think he could potentially play higher in League One. So it doesn't surprise me too much if he does get recalled from a struggling Doncaster side. He was subbed off. He sort of was holding his hands up, potentially seen as some fans as sort of a thank you whilst kind of holding the badge. Uh, but you know, time will very much tell on that one. We will have to wait and see. But like I say... That result 
keeps Doncaster Rovers or puts Doncaster Rovers, sorry, into 19th place in the league. And it drops MK Dons out of the uh, playoff places only on goal difference, however, as they are still currently joint level on points with AFC Wimbledon, who, as I said, their rearranged game is now, the date for that is now set as the 23rd of January. Now, Tom, we're going to come to you for a game between one side in the relegation zone and one who hoped to not get sucked into a battle down the bottom. Newport travelling away to Sutton United. How did it go? Well, it was um, it was a late show, but it wasn't the late, late show. Um, it finished 1-1. Um, Sutton have closed the gap now to Colchester United to, to five points. I think Newport will be disappointed. I know uh, Graham Glockman was certainly very disappointed to concede a goal in injury time. Um, so just to, to run you through the game, um, Amari Patrick looked very lively down the left for Sutton. Um, his He did some neat work down the left, played a nice through ball and the cross... Cross came in, forcing a save um, from the Newport keeper. Uh, they they went ahead um, on 79 minutes did Newport. It was a lovely drive from McLaughlin uh, from outside of the box. I think Ivan Offair had some thoughts about the goalkeeper's positioning here, but I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt there to McLaughlin. It was a great goal and, you know, one nil up away from home after 79 minutes. You'd be hoping to see it out. Um and Newport didn't Sutton equalise in injury time. And unless you are associated with Newport County on or Nick Townsend, the goal is quite comical. I'm still not sure how the equaliser has gone in. The corner's been swung in from the left-hand side. Uh, it's been dropped by Nick Townsend or pushed in over the line by Nick Townsend, the Newport goalkeeper, and then it's prodded in by um, Fada Hunzi, which... The goal was credited to him, but it's it's a bit of a mess. Uh, it's a bit it's a bit comical. Uh, Graham Glockland um, has said the goalkeeping position after the game has been an issue since he took the job on. So I would expect in expecting them to be in the market in January for a new goalkeeper. Um, but it was one one. Um, not the most brilliant game, but I think for Sutton, if you'd have offered them a one one draw at the start of the game, they probably said no. Um, but you know, a point of piece, they'll, they'll both be, be fairly happy. Uh, definitely. I think, look, it may have only been a draw, but that has actually meant four points from a possible nine for Sutton in these three festive fixtures. Could they recruit and could this be a little bit of a push for them now to stay up? Um, I'd like to think so. Again, we spoke off air about seeing teams like yeah, with no disrespect to them, but like Sutton and and Harrogate, you know, Barrow fighting above their their weight really. And so I personally hope that they um, they do the job and they stay up. But you know, it's tough. It's it's been a success for them just to get to this level already. But it would be great for Sutton to to stay up. One thing I just want to add to that as well. I had a quick look. That's the fourth goal that Sutton has scored. Um, from the 88th minute onwards this season to gain them at least a point. So when we're going back to that fight that Salford is showing earlier, where they're showing, well, very little fight, I think that's something that Sutton have definitely got going for them. It's they're not giving up till the final whistle. And I think that was shown on um, on um, New Year's Day, sorry, where they did find that equaliser late on. And it, it will come in handy le- um, later on in the season because, like we said, it's only five points now. And at one point, it was nine. So they're, they're, they're getting there slowly. 
Um, it's just, I think that the biggest problem they've got currently is their budget, which will no doubt hurt them potentially in um, in January compared to other teams around them. But I think they're going the right way about it on the pitch, especially after that result against Stockport. Yeah, and I think as well, that it definitely helps mentality-wise. So Sutton probably feel, you know, it it is a point gained and I'm happy with that considering they scored so late. And, you know, football is about momentum and, yeah, it's, it, hopefully they can they can carry it on. Absolutely. And look, I think I very much echo your thoughts and the fact that it would be nice to see a side like Sutton very much stay up, uh, especially, you know, at some other teams' expenses. Cough, cough, Forest Green, although you shouldn't say that because we are, of course, an unbiased podcast. And for look, our final game of the opening day of 2024 in League Two, Morecambe hosted Harrogate Town after the home side were demolished on Friday night by a five-star Notts County performance. Were they able to put that behind them, Ivan? It was definitely an improved performance um, from Morecambe, but I wouldn't say it's improved enough for them to look any more stable than they may have had a few weeks ago. Um, the spoils were shared at the Mazuma Stadium, um, and it did, well, going into the game, it probably... Would have looked the likeliest results given the size of split by just one point in the table. But that being said, as you just mentioned, they did get absolutely hammered the other day. So you could say it's quite a good response um, to not only let in two, but also to uh, score two. Um, I think for, for Morgan, it looked like it could be, well, maybe not as bad of a day as um, last week, but they did go 1-0 down to Harrogate um, after they took the lead through some pinball in the box. I think about six or seven players touched the ball in the space of about five or six seconds. Um, it's not a pretty one, but Jack Muldoon, who uh, scored it, will not care about that just before half-time. Morecambe would then find the equaliser early in the second half through Jordan Slew, and outside of the box strike, which nestled itself into the bottom corner. Once again, however, Harrogate would take the lead, and this time through George Thompson, after the ball fell to him in the box from uh, a dummy by Abraham Odo, which is not meant to be a dummy at all. He's taken a massive <laughs> swing to try and send the ball towards the goal and has completely missed it um, and fallen on his backside in the process. And then it looked quite likely that Harrogate would um, leave with all three points. That was until Jacob Bido equalised in the dying embers. Um getting some, I've just wrote this down, getting some sort of body part on a corner because I am not sure what he's scored with, but he's he's flung his body at it and it's gone in the net late on. I think the draw is a fairly uh, fair result given the equal stats and both teams, to me, seem fairly destined for mid-table. One thing, though, about Harrogate, I've been really impressed with them this season. Um, from a Carlisle standpoint, because we've now taken Luke Armstrong off them, I'm very happy. But I thought that, obviously, we knew going into the season with Armstrong through his failed transfer to Wrexham, his holdout, um, I thought it'd be, well, it'd be very detrimental to Harrogate, him, uh, all the off-field issues with him. And it hasn't really seemed to affect them too much. But I don't know if that worries me a tiny bit as a Carlisle fan, or it's just... It just shows how well they've done without him. Because being sat in 14th and currently 16 points um, ahead of the relegation zone, I think it's a great job that um, 
that both the management there and the players have done this season because they've really rallied. And I, I, I feel like I've said this so many times today, but they're only five points off the playoffs. And it probably won't, it won't happen. But if you said to a Harrogate fan that like over midway through the season, they'll just be five, five points off the playoffs, they'd have bit your arm off straight away. So yeah, credit to them this season. They're doing very well. It Absolutely. is such a strange league, isn't it? The fact that, you know, so many teams are within a shout of, mm. of the playoffs. Um, I think there could even be a surprise there. Um, I know we mentioned earlier about the, the top three pulling away, but um, I'm going to class it as a top four because I do think Notts County will eventually um, start putting some more results together. But those playoffs, I think, are going to be really interesting. Um, and I don't necessarily think it'll be the best team that'll go up in the playoffs, but I think the team that that hits um, hits the purple patch at the right time. So I'm really intrigued to see to see how that's going to go. No, 100%. Now, I, I'll be honest, I very much see this now being mid-table obscurity for both of these sides going into sort of the second half of this season. But, you know, you, you do never know with this division, do you? And uh, there's certainly not that many points between you know, like we sort of said, like 7th and 18th, something like that. So, absolutely. And there we go. League 2 in 2024 really did kick straight off from where we left last year. Some crazy results, lots of goals and plenty of action. We certainly enjoyed covering it. I hope you enjoyed listening. If you did, like, comment, give us a review on the podcast platform of your choice. All of that good stuff. Until next time. It's a goodbye from us. It's the 90th minute and all your mates around watching your team on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share box on the go. And you know what? Your mates already got booked for double dipping. But then late on, you steal in, grab the last nugget and snatch all three points. Perfect. Why not order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app? Are you in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 